0: You're listening to This QPOC Life, a podcast that looks at the world through the lens of a queer person of color. We strive to be a safe and inclusive listening space for queer people of color. We also have a variety of views and opinions, so please leave comments on our website, thisqpoc.life, on our Facebook page, or send us a tweet at thisqpoclife. Help us build this QPOC community. While you're at it, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Owl Podcasts and Google Podcasts and Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are sold or are free. Just search <laughs> This QPOC Life on your fave platform. Help us continue to create quality content by and for QTPOC. Woop All right, well, here we are. It's evil is
1: defeated once again. Svetlana is defeated. For now.
0: For, For now. It seems like there's an ever-looming presence somewhere <laughs> in the shadows. The keeper of the realm. The keeper of the realm. Where is oh this my. going? Could this potentially mean that there's a new project on the horizon that is an audio drama full of fiction and a Q-Pac tribe? <gasps> I don't know. Y'all know that Jonathan's living like this
1: producer fantasy life.
0: I am, I, you know, I've uh, I'm the creator is, the creator rises. This q conglomerate. Well, sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. My name is Jonathan, a.k.a. Blasian FMA. He, him, his. And you can find me everywhere on the Internet just by Googling me. I love a swift Google. Yeah. You may call me Jolie. That's Joe with no
1: E, which is how you'll find me on social media. And my pronouns
0: are they, them, theirs, and crushed velvet. Oh, we're going to get into that. In a second, because I want to know what that's all about. Until then, this is the <laughs> award-winning <laughs> This this Rock Life.
1: Life. This <laughs>
0: So what's that all about? Crushed Velvet?
1: You know, I just, I like to add a fancy thing to my pronouns every week. So Crushed Velvet just came to mind because it's so soft and expensive.
0: That's a wonderful thing about uh, being queer, I guess, is, uh, oh, that's not on the script, but we have to talk about that. Well (laughs) Being queer. I mean, and being happy about it. Look, (laughs) y'all...
1: Are we going to talk about this for self care together? If we're going to talk about it, we (laughs) might as well talk about it
0: before we even get into self care. I I think this is self care. It's like it's going to be therapeutic for both of us. Yes.
1: We're going to have a dual therapy moment before we
0: even get into ourselves. Yes.
1: Because uh, Carlos is away. Oh, right. And Zach is out. Yes. Carlos is with their family for the weekend. They're visiting the city. You'll remember they said so last week. Or last time, whenever you're listening to this.
0: So as of the recording of this particular podcast, right. the previous podcast is still not up, but that's nobody's fault. It's just that's the <laughs> way it happens sometimes because we busy.
1: And which I'll talk about in my self-care because it was a lot of editing in that. Oh, it, I imagine it was. And then Zach wasn't feeling well right before um, he got to the studio. So he's taking a night off.
0: It's a much-needed night off, so... Our hearts and prayers go out to Zachary as he recovers. Thoughts and thoughts and prayers. Yes. So give them the background, The give the listeners the background on why... And I feel like maybe this is a universal thing, or maybe it's not. I feel like one of the things... Actually, no, I'm going to say it's a universal thing because uh-huh. this is this is a conversation that we started having within a New York City bubble, but yes. but from this very recent experience online that you and I and others saw mm-hmm. unfold, um, I realize it's a, at least a nationwide thing, at least not a, nationwide. a global thing.
1: Right. So for anyone who might be new listening to us, the four... The core four, as I like to call us, belong to a PAO here in New York
0: City where we all sing together. And people ask, like, we get a lot of new listeners and we don't have like a glossary of terms. So PAO, for those of you who have recently joined us, or maybe not so recently because we only explained it one time a long time ago, (laughs) is Performing (laughs) Arts Organization. So when you hear us talk about the PAO, we're talking about a particular performing arts organization that we all belong to. So
1: our PAO belongs to a larger nationwide organization of other PAOs that are also queer identified. Sure. I'm going to say queer identified. Sure. I don't
0: care if anybody else doesn't want to. Sure. So think of it like PAOs as individuals. And then they assemble to be like the Avengers, and our particular PAO is in like the top three. So we're like Thor or Captain America, or if I want to put my lens on it, we're fucking. Um, oops, I hit my mic. We are Wakanda forever, even though we're not. But we're not I, there hasn't there hasn't we're that level. I we are we are of status in the PAO collective. Yes, like like we are Wakanda <laughs> yeah.
1: in our PAO in our minds.
0: <laughs>
1: so there was a conversation happening in a Facebook group for this nationwide organization about owning the word queer and how not everyone is comfortable with the word queer Mm -hmm. in the community. And then it started this, this heated conversation about like, LGBTQ
0: being the alphabet soup and which apparently is a pejorative like yeah for- I didn't I'm, I didn't know that either I didn't it, it it unfolded and it revealed a lot but the constant the one constant was this spirit of centering oneself Yes. and we're talking about white people. Yes, centering of whiteness and individual and that kind of thing, and then center like and then the centering of a singular experience, queer experience, right? And also, it's uh, it's not just white people; it's
1: old school white folks. Sure. So, um, this is not a conversation I find myself having that often with millennials, but it's the ownership of queer as sort of an umbrella an umbrella label mm-hmm. for the LGBTQIA community.
0: That's the right. crux of this particular thing that we're talking argument we're talking about. And it is a generational divide. Now a lot of you out there listening, whether you're on your commute to your work because you have a regular nine to five, you're probably middle age or you're younger and you look up to us or Maybe you are older, and that's cool too, because hopefully, if we're all lucky, we will all get older as well. But um, I will venture to say that a lot of people in the queer or community or the gay community or what have you, mm-hmm. lesbian, you know, um, like we're we are in a particular situation because we're in a PAO, and the PAO includes older people. I say all that to say that your average listener probably doesn't have a relationship or has a bubble that uh, Venn diagrams with the older community, mm-hmm. right? So this might be foreign to them, but right. it's a thing that's talked about. So
1: the idea is that um, some folks are not comfortable with owning the word queer in general. Mm-hmm. And their argument usually tends to be that queer was used to bully them. Mm-hmm. During their formative years,
0: or before they came out of the closet, or after they came out of the closet. So, trigger warning slash content warning. I'm a, when I start talking, I don't mean to cut you off, but I will be using particular words that might be triggering to you, the listener. Uh, aside from queer, because I'm about to make a point when right. I finish.
1: And I would encourage our listeners to listen as objectively as possible and to really measure. Um, to, to take sort of detach themselves as much as they can and take a what's the word I'm looking for a collegiate sort of
0: analytical view yeah. of how we use language. Don't be a um, uh, that sounds patronizing, but I was going to say don't use your emotions. Like just try to look at it objectively, like you said, right? Like let's let's look at this analytically versus and emotions. I'll probably challenge you to turn around and look at it
1: from their shoes in no, right. a second. So. Right, right, right. So in my experience. I've actually been bullied by the word gay, and Zach said that too. Yeah, like, gay has been, at least from, I can't speak for folks that are older than me, but I can definitely say that during my childhood and my upbringing, and I still see it happening now, young people use the word gay in a derogatory manner. As a
0: negative. That's and so gay. Exactly why you got to be gay, right? Um, and that's it's gay. like
1: it doesn't mean any one particular thing. It's just bad. Right. So a lot of people carry baggage over the word gay for that. Now the word queer was, is, and was that for the for, older generation for a lot of the older generation. I can't say everyone. Now there was a movement where folks started taking ownership of the word queer again. So for them, owning that word queer is is a radical act for them. So now I think about myself and I think about a lot of people that I know who have started owning queer as a label for themselves, whether whether they do identify as gay, lesbian, bisexual, what have you. They identify with the word queer in a personal sense and in a communal sense. Right, and so part of the argument that I we were encountering in this Facebook group was that the identity of the larger nationwide PAO organization is very specifically um, named gay and lesbian, blah blah blah. So that doesn't allow chorus, choruses and people with identities outside of gay and lesbian to necessarily feel included in and represented by the title of the organization. And so apparently, because I did some asking around, and apparently this has been a point of conversation back and forth for a long time about how to make the language about the organization as a whole feel more inclusive for people who don't necessarily
0: line up with just gay and or lesbian. Yeah, exactly. No, I feel like this has been my main point in the PAO for a while is like, it's not just like, okay. And Zach, I I always credit Zach because Zach is the one who put this seed in my mind. Like, Back in the day when the PAO was created, right, it was, quote, unquote, I'm doing air quotes. And I actually have to do air quotes because now there's a, there's a camera. So I can't be <laughs> like, I'm doing air quotes for the listeners and I'm not actually doing it. But um, those things, those organizations, or a lot of them, were founded in a time when gay was the word queer, like right. equivalent for gay. Queer was gay back then, and gay meant a whole bunch of things, but they didn't even have the terminology for transgender or—I mean, they had the word lesbian, yes, but Mm -hmm. like—or just different, uh, gender non-conforming, non-binary people, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, they were founded because they were helping an oppressed and marginalized group, and— Whether you agree with me or not, and I'm sure that many of our listeners do because this is what this QPOC life, the award-winning this QPOC life. Thank you so much. We know that the white gays have... Come a long way. I'm not going to say that they've made it, but some of them even think that they've made it. They think that the work is done <laughs> and that because Obama nope. passed marriage equality in whatever year it was, I think 2012 or 13, whenever that was, they can get
1: their tax benefits and, and their hospital visitation
0: rights and they're good. And all of a sudden it's all good. And it's like, no, there is a fight still going on. And y'all forgot about that. And then Trump got elected president. And then all of a sudden it's the end of the world. And it's like, nah, it's been the it's It's not been better for a lot of people. I say all that to say, that, um, there's, I say all that to say that in this present day, these PAOs need to think of who is the most marginally oppressed, how they can help those people and how they can include those people in their PAO. And if a name change is one of those things or an amendment or a neutral name like location or symbolic word, um... Or even if it just comes down
1: to the language in your mission. Yeah. You know, like, it doesn't just, I I understand the need for a safe space that is particular to being a gay male, right? Inside of that space, I discovered being Mm non-binary. And when the conversation starts moving in a direction that says, well, we should, um, like, you know, how do we keep our identity as a, men's sound and how that starts making me feel like there's not really a space for my voice there. And it's, it's frustrating because on the one hand it's like you very much want to be a part of this community and this organization, but then the organization is moving in one direction. The Culture of the queer community as a whole is moving in something else completely different, and it's just it's interesting because I feel like before twenty sixteen, I wouldn't necessarily have seen all of these splintering
0: differences of opinion. But apparently, the conversation has been going on. on for a while. Though. A while, um, and there. Are, I don't know about other PAOs, but in our own PAO, there have been issues with non-male people being in the PAO, mm-hmm. and it was allowed, but not without a lot of conversation and questioning, um, and my thing is, like, how you said the people that are on a particular side are, like, they're concerned about the, quote, men's sound. What exactly is the men's sound? Like... And I'm asking them, like, is it... Men's sound, men's culture, blah, blah, blah. Well, is it that or is it just that you cared to sing TTBB music, tenor, tenor, bass, bass music, right? Because women can sing that. Trans people can sing that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if that's it, then that's it. But then you also have to think, like... Like it's just so foreign to me and it's so frustrating. This is a this is also a theme that runs throughout the PAO is people being at the head of very sensitive and critical in the in in this present time with the direction that the queer community or the LGBTQ community is going and the progress that's being made. People being put in leadership positions to help steer the charge and not being educated and on those issues. Right on queer issues, on people of color issues, it's like who are you putting up there? Look, we're ranting on a lot about this. We have to get <laughs> to our self-care. But um long story short, there's there is constant battles going it's on within politics. the politics, identity politics. It is I I you know what? I realized that on my own in my room, as I read that, I was like, "This is the literal definition of identity politics right, right now," um, and it's not a bad thing. Like, identity politics is not as uh, identity politics is not as bad as anti-SJW people would make you think on Twitter. Like, they right. always use that as a thing. Like, this is a this is a discourse that I think is worth having, but I really wish that people would get on board. And I don't know if that makes me sound. Um, tyrannical or like a dictator, like I want you to believe what I believe. Well, I feel but like I there's... just feel like if we are in if you are in the if you are in the gay community, If we'll just limit it to gay, then you know how it feels to be oppressed by straight people and be told that God made you incorrectly and you're an abomination and all this. So how dare you turn around and then tell trans people or gender non or bisexual people that they don't they're not real or that it's just a stepping stone. or It's just a phase. Right. Like. Like you don't you don't have the right to do that. And also
1: there's there's. I feel the thing that kills me is how I feel like there's a part of me that feels like the queer community, the LGBTQIA plus whatever you want to call it community. um, I feel like there's a conversation about allowing people to just evolve and letting themselves change because if there's one thing about that I've learned about being human since coming out is that identity is fluid it's not this concrete thing and these relationships that we have with words it's we have we have the ability to change our relationship to change our thinking to change so much about how we communicate, how we engage, and how we think about any particular thing. So what do we need to do to encourage other people to remember? It's like, you know, in order for us to keep progressing,
0: we all have to progress together. Well, I hate to say that. Uh, it may or may not be true, but there's an old saying that says you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And a lot of this resistance and being said in your own way is coming from the older community uh, and not all of them, because there was a person on that conversation that said that they're 63 years old and they're co- completely on board with queer being an umbrella term to capture right. everyone. Um, but on the other hand, it's people, again, once again, centering their own experience and then making that law on gospel when right. it doesn't need to be like the world doesn't revolve around you, baby Like let people be who they are and you can continue to be who you are And um, and that's a whole other rabbit hole to go down is when these particular people feel threatened Then all of a sudden we're trying to encroach something on them And it's not that we're right. just creating space for everyone else right when we come back We'll finally talk about our self care. We'll talk about our self care. So stick around and then additionally, and then we'll have more topics to talk, chat about. Be right back. so we're back and now we're checking in because checking in and self-care are an act of resistance yes when you're living your life as a queer person of color and chow i spent a lot of money this week <laughs> <laughs> on self-care but you know what it is for elevation uh, come I, on elevation i don't I love know that word so so the gag is do you know Al- jeffrey almonte he is a a um, creator, of film pro- producer. Rings a bell. He, you'll know who I'm talking about when I tell you. He's the one that does. First of all, he is very cute. <laughs> I think that he is. Um, uh, I don't know how to describe him because I think he's. Gender nonconforming. Okay, so this is actually something they talked about on Topics Include just this week, and that episode will come out, I think, today, uh, which in your time will be in the past. So check out that podcast, which I produce. Uh, They're talking about how you are non-binary, the noun, Mm -hmm. and the thing you do, the verb, is you are gender nonconforming. But some people still identify as gender non-conforming, but as we were talking about with language earlier, it's now the ship is steered in the direction that you are a non-binary person, mm-hmm. but the th- you are gender nonconforming, which means you do not conform to the genders. Right. Right, because you are non-binary, not binary A or B. Right. right? So, anyway— Jeffrey Almonte is a film creator. I think he lives in the Bronx. Mm -hmm. He is the one that does, like, multiple characters, like I do in my videos, except... Okay. And he's, like... He's the one that did the chopped cheese video. Oh! Uh, The bodega video. I love him. Yeah. (laughs) We actually saw him... (laughs) when we went At YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. uh, I was... So, I bought... And his skin is actually that perfect. It's beautiful. (laughs) Um, See, he... (sighs) Uh, he confuses me and in a good way Mm -hmm. because he's like super East Harlem. Right. And he's talking about nigga this and Uh yo bitch that and all this but then his nails are painted. I love it. And like he wears pink and he does his hair up and I'm like shit. I love that you're challenging my mind right now. Right. Because that's great because that's how we should always be. Um, Anyway, so I bought well on eBay. So I gagged Okay, right. because I spent I dipped into savings to spend a lot of money. I'm not going to give I'm not going to get into the specific number, even though I did say it on Facebook. She dipped into the deep coin. I did, but it wasn't my 401k. It was my personal savings, which was for like if I want to make a big purchase and I wanted to make a big purchase. Side note, I would love us
1: to do an episode about. Are about money relationships as
0: queer people of color. That financial episode has been in the works along with that biracial episode for over a season, I think. We need because to find such deep someone. topics. I think Carlos knows someone. I think Carlos said that they know someone. So we'll we'll circle back on that because I know some of y'all wanna know about money and financing. Um and I could go down a whole, you know. Because you want to talk about acts of resistance.
1: Queer savings is an act of resistance. Yes, it is, and it fuels your (laughs) self-care,
0: which I used my savings to um, purchase a Canon C100. It's um, my first step into actual cameras that are made for video Mm -hmm. versus still photography. That's a real cinematographer camera. Yeah, it is, and um, that's not to say that people who make uh, footage on their DSLRs um, are any less than, as a matter of fact, since I purchased that camera in preparation to having that camera, I've been watching mm-hmm. a bunch of creators. Jeffrey Almonte is one. And then I've been watching this white boy named like Aiden Robbins or something. He's like only 17 years old, but he's done so much and he teaches so much in a short amount of time that it's mm-hmm. cool. Um, but anyway, as I was letting YouTube autoplay stuff and Jeffrey Almonte's video came up and he has this video about like he talks about how like people are always coming up to him asking like yo I want to be a creator I want to but I need to get this camera and that and the other and like he's doing in his style acting and like the person comes to him and then Mm -hmm. he's like you don't need that you don't need that you don't need that and then he cuts into like this looking directly at the camera and saying you always had the ability to create you could have made it on your phone you could have made it on your DSLR you need to get up off your ass and just do it you didn't need to spend all that money on that expensive ass camera because you're gonna have that expensive ass camera and you're still not gonna create because you haven't been creating so get off your ass and create and I was like shit he's reading the fuck out of me right now because this is me like I'm (laughs) (laughs) all my money on all this stuff. But luckily, I spent my money on all that stuff because I had things planned out. Mm -hmm. So self-care for me is purchasing new equipment, but it's also um, planning out work. So I'm producing topics include podcasts, which includes the use of this studio. Mm -hmm. But then I also have a project, which I guess I could talk about. Um, You alluded to it last week. Yeah, QPOC profiles. And um, I'm interviewing people that I think uh, have a very uh, you know um, interesting compelling story, story, compelling stories from the lens of a QPOC, um, pretty much what you hear on this podcast or what I would expect you to hear on this podcast, but in video form, mm-hmm. and to be released for June, Pride Month, because in New York it's World Pride and... I think I did say this last week or last episode is all too often our stories are put on the back burner. It's true. Or whatever. So it's like, hey, go- put out this content. Good exercise for me to be able to like schedule and like coordinate. Then I'm working on something else for Queer Filmmakers New York. Um, so like the ball is rolling. We're both working on stuff for Queer Filmmakers. I know. You New designed York. the logo. Yes, I, I heard you design <laughs> and I saw the logo and it's really nice. Thank you. Um, so yeah, me, it's just. Um, getting in gear and it's been a decade and like I'm tired of just talking to the camera and bitching about stuff that's why I started the podcast instead like Mm -hmm. I want my video content to be like cinematography slash creative work and eventually a scripted series but child that's gonna be one
1: step at a time
0: in addition to like the coordination of people to get an interview done then then a web series would be that plus the creation of the content right. in order to shoot it so right. script writing and stuff like that but i'm sure i'll find people over the summer and
1: you stuff. sure will and, and you know you won't have the limitations of of i mean as
0: wonderful as brick is you still have the limitation of you know is the equipment available is right and that was the main thing because you and i went on a film shoot with this camera that i purchased right a couple weeks ago well with brick's camera. Brick's camera. And then you purchased it. And up. then I was like, you know what? Because uh, one of my mentors was like, don't buy the camera. You can just get it from Brick whenever you need to do a shoot. And I was like, no, what if I'm like up in the middle of the night and I want right. to shoot something like, and I want to do it now and I don't want to have to apply for it and then be told yes and then get the, get it a week later. Right. So ultimately I'm more of that type of creator. I'm trying to steer myself in the way that. Into a structured creative. Where I could have had the the thing ready and then, you know coordinated it and then picked up the camera from Brick but like who is to say that the camera would have been available I think it was you know and I'm also gonna do other stuff on the side just messing around like I don't know if you saw but I put on Twitter and Facebook and yeah, Twitter and Facebook. I did this thing that I learned from that Aiden boy mm-hmm. um, called a hyperlapse. Which, oh yeah, that was dope. And the way you make it's not easy. Like Mm-mm. you had I st- I was at um, I was in Lower Manhattan in front of One Police Plaza, mm-hmm. but I was a block away. What you do is you take a picture, like you make sure that the camera is focused on one point, mm-hmm. take a picture, then you take a step forward and you take another picture. And I did that all the way down the block. Oh it was like 64 steps. No, it was 96 pictures, so I did that 96 times, and then you imported it into Premiere. I don't want to get into the technicals, but you should check it out. It's a really neat. It's, like, literally two seconds long, and I did all that for two seconds of footage, but it's a neat effect, wouldn't you agree? I
1: thought—it I, was amazing. I literally thought that you just did that with your phone. Yeah, I did with my phone. No, I mean, but I mean, like, you used, like, the hyperlapse function oh, on no, I, phone. Oh, no, I I created that, like, from Because I was like, this looks amazing. Your phone did this? And, no, you did that, but you used
0: your phone to so, do it. Right. So, imagine, like, if I used a DSLR instead, what that would look like. Right. I don't think I would be able to do that with the C100 because it's, I think it takes can, still yeah. photography. Yeah, you can capture stills. Yeah. Anyway, that's a lot. So, what are you <laughs> doing? Um... This week was a lot for me too.
1: I, I mean, part of my self care was actually editing the our 50th golden jubilee episode. Oh, that must have been a lot of work. Um, it was a lot of work, and it's it's a it's so many tiny little details, and I was up to like 76 audio tracks. Oh my god! Um, to get the sounds that I wanted the way that I wanted them. Um, I had a lot of fun thinking about, okay, what's Syzygy's voice going to sound like? Mm -hmm. And I used a vocoder for that. And then... give me uh, real Steven Universe vibes. Yeah, I I was sort of going for that direction. Like, I had our listeners in mind in particular. I
0: I wrote the script. All in there, the only direction I gave was... 80s synth sound. Yeah. <laughs> and you took that and you went full Steven Universe. I was like, go ahead, JoJo. This is great. It was
1: so much fun to do and um, it makes me appreciate how much talent there is at this table mm. because everybody just went all in and it's it's so much fun to listen to and I was, I was up late a lot of late nights this week but it was so worth it because i'm just just thinking about our listeners and and it's episode 50
0: and how many people have been with us since the beginning Mm. and you better watch out because the only reason for episode 50 that i was so adamant like when we did our episode 50 brainstorming i was like oh it has to be have um uh, what did I say? Uh, audio narrative or uh-huh. like uh, dramatic audio? Whatever we did for the oh, Final no, Fantasy, yeah. episode. Yeah. ever since that Final Fantasy episode, there's been a regular stream of like six or seven people that have been like, <laughs> "When is that coming back? When are you doing more of that?" <laughs> you should just make a whole podcast full of that. And I'm like sitting here, it's I want a lot. To, to, I would work. want to do that, but like you just said, seventy six audio tracks for it's those three l- little scenes. A lot of work. Could be a lot of work to do that, but it would be fun because I'm a storyteller.
1: Yeah, it. it I mean, it is fun. You just I. Part of the reason why it took so long is because I was literally tracking down the different sound effects I wanted to use, and so many of them are unsorted, or you just have to pick and choose and browse through all the little tiny pieces to find the one that you want. And um, I I also, except for the uh, intro music to the episode and the Sailor Moon music, I... I sort of assembled very quickly the other, the rest of the music that we hear in the rest of the episode. Yeah. And the, it's just a lot of moving parts and make sure, making sure all the parts move together, making sure nothing's too loud, nothing's too soft. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because like you don't have the advantage of film where people can see what you're trying to get, what you want them to picture. Right. You have to think you have to have a very clear picture in your head and use sounds to get people to do that,
0: yeah I'm looking forward to more of it Same. um but you know you all should uh show us. You can tell me all day <laughs> that you yeah, want word. it, but show us that you want it by supporting our Patreon. So word, that, uh, JoJo can get paid word. to do that. I kind of leaned into the mic on accident, but <laughs> when I said that, but <laughs> you got real pointed. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So, anything else? Uh, um, is the rent paid? I am. I'm.
1: I've been cash poor all month. I won't front. Okay, Donald Trump. But ooh, ooh. Oh. I need to recover a second. Hold on. Zen. All right. So <laughs> I've been kind of broke all month. <laughs> and I have, um, I'm trying to wrap up several different design projects simultaneously to, and once I have all of that money, the rent will be paid. I just got to get them all mm-hmm. wrapped so up when the so, um, I'm a couple of these projects are taking longer than I really wanted them to, because clients aren't clear about what they want. Mm. But that's another issue for another time. Mm. Say and what you mean and mean what you say. But other than that, life is good. I've been doing some um, boundaries with social media this week. Like like iOS has this downtime feature. That tracks how much time you spend on different kinds of apps. Oh, I mean, Team Google has that too. But yes, well, so <laughs> that's awesome. Now I know that. And um, so, like after ten o'clock, all my social media apps get shut down. And after I spend more than an hour on my phone or on my iPad, that all gets shut down. So I'm like, I'm not. I still can. But i'm not checking emails before bed i'm not looking at twitter five minutes before i go to sleep so it's i've had even though i've been, gone to sleep late i've had better sleep this week
0: yeah i result. i remember seeing that um you're not supposed to look at any screens like up to four hours before you go to sleep four hours which is crazy i'm like what are you supposed to do until then we live in 2019 yeah. but whatever when we come back we will talk more
1: and we're going to just shoot the shit. I mean, we've been shooting the
0: shit all episode, but there's lots to talk about this week, so let's get started. Okay. So you know what Mortal Kombat is, obviously, because we're all gamers here. Um, And Mortal Kombat 11 just came out, and it was... I'm probably still terrible at it. (laughs) (laughs) It has changed so much, though. Like, around the time that... um, I don't even know what it was called. I guess it was just Mortal Kombat. Mm -hmm. Like, whenever they did the reboot... There, there's a clear time when Mortal Kombat as it is today became what it is today, and I think that was Mortal Kombat 9. Okay. I'm not sure about that. It might have been the one right before it, but there, at that time, Mortal Kombat became this new fighting game. Mm-hmm. Still combo-based, but, like, very—it's just—it is the new Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. So Mortal Kombat 11 came out, and, uh, you know— same fanfare, same uh, anticipation, looking to see who's back, what's going on. And mainly people really play these games for the fighting. There's a whole right. fighting game community. You know, I'm sure that Evo, which is like the Olympics for fighting games that is held in, I think, Las Vegas every year, mm-hmm. um, and multiple other tournaments around the year that are centered on fighting games are going to now use Mortal Kombat 11 mm-hmm. as the uh, Mortal Kombat uh game, there are so many, Um, or maybe they'll have different tournaments with different games. Right. Anyway, this one came out, and the story is awesome. It features a new um, bad guy. It's Mm -hmm. one of the uh, Elder Gods that is above Raiden. Mm -hmm. Now, y'all need to look that up if you don't know. Like, this is for the Mortal Kombat gamers. Um, And so, the main bad guy in this one controls time. Mm-hmm. And so the narrative around that is like, oh, the the new Mortal Kombat or like the 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 Mortal Kombat people of today get to meet their old Mortal Kombat people from the earlier games. Mm. And um and something crazy happens anyway. Right. With all fighting games, there are there's the canonical ending, and then if you beat the game with someone else, it's a non-canonical but character-specific ending. Mm-hmm. And Jackson Briggs, or Jax for short, who has been in Mortal Kombat since Mortal Kombat Two, mm-hmm. and I was in fourth grade when that came came out in arcades. Um, he's black, mm-hmm. and um. His ending, his non-canonical his ending in Mortal Kombat 11, um, everybody's ending, I should say, has to do with defeating Kronika, mm-hmm. who controls time, mm-hmm. and then using her hourglass to go back and change something. So, for instance, Scorpion, who has been in the game since Mortal Kombat 1, he tragically lost his family in the first Mortal Kombat game all mm-hmm. those years ago. And um, so his ending in this game is to try to go back and fix that, like, to get his family back. But he learns that no matter what timeline he chooses, there are even higher gods called the Titans, which Mm -hmm. they had never talked about up until his ending, Mm -hmm. that are controlling and damning him to have a lost family in every single universe. Wow. So that was a revelation on its own. So Jax, uh, getting back on topic, he changes— he he says that he had to do it many times, but he wanted to right the wrongs of— that were committed against the people that look like him. So, talking about slavery, and if you mm-hmm. didn't realize that's what he's saying, in the very next scene, then it shows him, like, it shows images of slavery and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then he eventually gets it right, and it looks very Wakanda forever. He's wearing, like, African garb, and it's a big city, and he's surrounded by black, beautiful black women and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you know, is it surprising to you, <laughs> that people on the internet are upset that Jax's ending involves Fixing slavery. Some people are saying, oh, well, if you do that, then you wouldn't have the civil rights movement. Right. Exactly. I <laughs> <Motherfucker. laughs> was like, you fucking idiots.
1: That's exactly right. That's
0: unfortunate that, <laughs> that that tweet in particular came from someone waving a pride flag in their Twitter name. Uh-huh. I'm like, child, do you understand? They're like, oh, yeah. Uh, Oh, another one that the same person tweeted and they got a lot of funny response was um, actually it was in the same tweet. They said you wouldn't have the civil rights movement. You're basically going back in time and changing the founding of modern America as we know it. And I'm like, right. I think some indigenous people would be very appreciative of that as a matter of fact. Exactly. So like. Some people are completely missing the mark. There have been in the gamer circle, you know, if you just Google search like Mortal Kombat 11 Jack's ending, people are writing about this. They're showing the reaction. And it's just funny to me how people like I could understand the regular people the regular gamers when who we think about when we think about outrage like those gamergate people gamergate people being yeah. pissed off about jack's fixing slavery and then finding something to argue about there but when it's a a fellow queer person it just highlights and shows that there are still people out there who you know you might share one particular part of your identity with in this case gaming but they're still fucking trash right so yeah i just feel like people are stupid at the end of the day, if if Jax wants mm-hmm. to fucking figure uh, fi- uh fi- fix slavery, then let Jax fix slavery and let us live in that fantasy. Moving on to something more important. Uh, up next is the very actually two stories uh, that we need to bring to your attention. Which I'm sh- I'm not going to assume that you already know, but in case you didn't know, Nigel Shelby and Malaysia Booker. Let's start with Malaysia Booker, uh, trans woman, black from Dallas, Texas, got beat up on camera. Like, beat. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's later discovered that I think... I think that, uh, I'm think i just remembering from what I read, but there was a minor car accident uh, with Malaysia, the black trans woman, mm-hmm. and another guy, I guess they got out of the car, there was a little kerfuffle, and then it turned into a big deal, and it was captured on video. Malaysia was on the floor, beaten uh, some... After enough had happened, then these women, these other women brought her to the side to safety, quote unquote, safety. Um, But I think that I also read that someone was like, oh, I'll give you $200 to whoop her ass on camera and stuff like that. Hmm. Just egregious, garbage, gross. And it's been classified as a hate crime. Oh, thank God, because when the last time I read it, they were investigating it as a hate crime. I'm not going to get too much into it, but again, I'm going to once again pitch. Topics include, they get into this uh, topic very— um, I mean, pitch pitch our daughter podcast. Our daughter. Um, but Elle Morgan on there, uh, who is one of the core four of Topics Include, is a black trans woman living here in New York City. And I was sitting right over there in here, and she was— into it, and she, I mean, it was very emotional. um l Morgan talking about this. And I feel it is our duty to elevate and uplift not only that podcast, but this awareness around this issue mm-hmm. and the fact that it's still happening in two thousand and nineteen, and the fact that,, um, you know, this shit's not a joke, right? It's not a joke. Like you got folks up here. Debating the syntax or like people are sitting at a high level, not boots on the ground, not in the weeds. exactly, And talking about this or that or the other, the third, including people of color, queer people of color who are just like, and I'm guilty of this on certain other things, which is why I've dove, dove, divin, dived? Dove. Head first into... Putting my money where my mouth is with regards to the T in QTPOC or LGBTQ mm-hmm. and your time. Here, here lately, because I've realized, you know, they are the least among us, as we always say, and they need elevating and support. And you all need to listen to this, and you need to listen to that episode of the podcast, and you need to be aware of Malaysia Booker. And it's trash because GLAD nor the HRC said anything about Malaysia Booker. Really? I checked. Uh, whenever it happened, it was four days old, and I checked, and nobody was saying it. And today, I was mad because as we were creating the script for it, ABC News nor the uh, what does AP Ass- St- Associated, Associated Press, Press put Malaysia's name in there? They just said transgender woman. Which shout out to BuzzFeed News because they did. They they put Malaysia's
1: name in in their uh, writing about what happened, and it's so important these these insidious ways that. Trans women of color are erased. In particular, black trans women are erased. Like, it's like those oversights are so unnecessary and it's bad journalism. It's
0: horrible journalism. Like, it's unacceptable. It's absolutely diabolical. That's what it is. It's diabolical. It is because because
1: it, it puts those women in even more danger in ways that that are completely avoidable because when you pass over their names, you are taking away their humanity. Exactly. Because people just focus in on transgender.
0: They're not putting a, a, a name to the video. To a
1: human being. It's...
0: Ugh. Well... I'm like sick to my stomach right now. Well, this is not going to help it, but... As far as awareness goes, uh, because my main—I have an issue with this particular story of Nigel Shelby, Mm -hmm. who was a young queer boy. I'm not exactly sure how old he was. Fifteen. Fifteen. And basically uh, completed suicide because he was being bullied. Mm -hmm. I have a couple issues here. I didn't talk about it a lot on social media, and I didn't post a lot about it. I didn't post a single thing about it. Until I noticed like Like nobody else that nobody. Well, I I noticed I learned about Nigel Shelby from fellow black gay Mm -hmm. men Mm -hmm. and, you know, fellow black queer people. Mm -hmm. So men, women, people who, you know, everyone outside in between outside in between who I didn't see posting about Nigel Shelby was white people. Mm -hmm. Not a one, not a one Okay, Facebook has a feature, a search bar, and you can filter down the searches Mm -hmm. based on your friends. So I typed in Nigel Shelby, Mm -hmm. and then I filtered the search to your friends, not a single white person that I know. And in 2019, we do have our bubbles. Right. Yeah, sure. You might be a black person, you might be a black gamer, and all you have are friends of black gamers. You might be an old black grandma, and you only have the church circle. Right, or like, what? like everybody again, has going, blind spots. Going back to my earlier point, you and I and everybody else on this podcast is associated with a cer- certain circle of people mm-hmm. that includes not only younger and older— but also many different races and identities and right. nationalities and ethnicities. Right. And not a single non-black person. I saw one Asian person talk about Nigel Shelby. And then I saw hella people talking about Nigel, uh, hella black people talking about Nigel Shelby. Mm-hmm. Then I posted, I was like, hmm, I don't see a single white person talking about it. But let it have been some white little boy.
1: With that
0: blue eyes. With blue eyes and blonde hair. Complete suicide, and the HRC would have been talking about, it, and Glad would have been talking yep, luckily, in this case, Glad did say something about it. HRC still didn't say anything about it as of the time that I was researching it. I'm just like, this is trash. Well, I, th- I think Glad said something about it because
1: of what that uh, deputy, he, there, A deputy was
0: put on leave because he wrote something. Oh, I saw that trash. Just, he, was so, he, he, like, oh. did one of those, uh, you know, where you put, the like, how we have Oscars and then they all uh-huh. mean something different. Was that an acronym? Yeah. Um, he did an acronym for, like, LGBTQ, but it wasn't anything to do with LGBTQ. No. It was, like, I don't even want to give him spotlight, but it was garbage. It, it was, was like, absolute trash. So all what you do need to know is that— as we said with um, Malaysia Booker, these things add up. Uh, this uh, Kevin Hart, yep, you know, we want we want to debate over Kevin Hart whether it was right or wrong, whether it's in the past or not. right. doesn't matter. Defending that shit and him saying that shit is the type of shit that emboldens and encourages other people to then say stuff that leads to young men or young boys like Nigel Shelby. To complete suicide because right. they don't feel like they belong in this world, that they don't feel like they can bear that pain. And so not just Kevin Hart, but just any regular old regular boy in the middle school boy, high school boy in the hallway or girl talking about faggot this or gay that, that's so gay. You have to understand that that stuff builds up over time. Yep. And Nigel's
1: mother actually spoke out. About that in particular, and how Nigel struggled with when depression, we and how she doesn't the want way to that see we treat each other. Her son, and our insistence as the victim of just who's bullying, right and who's wrong, but how bullying contributed to his depression. Just because letting people live their lives. She wants to remember her son as the live. ray of sunshine mm-hmm. that has that an effect on his he mental health when he
0: was right. and having good days. And not just this, this and circles back to exactly what we were talking about at the top of the show. Yep. Once again, people being intellectual, having just debates about what we should be called and what we shouldn't be called. Like, people want to identify how they want to identify. Right. And people want to live. And identities th- are not uh, open for, for discussion. debate. Exactly. No, it's not. And with Nigel, he is in a more vulnerable state because he's a young boy. And he doesn't know a how, young black boy. A young black boy, and he doesn't know how to navigate the world. There's a whole other episode that we need to do about gay parents and who our gay parents were, mm-hmm. because I had gay parents. I'm sure you had gay parents. Mm-hmm. When we talk about the ballroom culture, they have gay parents. They're called mm-hmm. mothers. Uh, some people don't grow up with them, and then you see confused as hell gay people, or you see fucking thirty year old gay people that don't know this from that, and it's like. I'm blessed to have had had that experience. Some people have to figure it out on their own, and then they go through a lot of trials and tribulations.
1: That's really interesting. Like, when I think about what it means to be a queer youth in America, and what—because I didn't come out until I was 20, 21, and I happened to be in an environment where the person that I— or the people I latched onto as my gay parents— like, they had been there, done that, read the book, wrote their own, right? hmm And when young people come out,
0: do they have access to the same people? Probably not because—I don't know. I won't say probably not. Child, we're, we're showing it's, our age. Because, it's a whole— It's a whole new world, right? Right. And, and there's YouTube and there's all this, and their parents are now probably the TV and, like, the trash-ass— forms of media and hopefully this podcast which is not trash ass I hope that we are influencing people out there but yeah I think that's the answer to your question is like stuff like this right stuff and then harmful stuff like this like YouTube videos and we're like you know RuPaul's Drag Race RuPaul's the Drag Race standard of queerness oh god and y'all love that um, but um
1: I I I was introduced to RuPaul's Drag Race at a later time in my life. Thank you so much, mm-hmm. but <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's worth thinking about and investigating and understanding. Like our queer youth, do they have the opportunity to find those mentors that understand where they're coming from and what their feelings are? Because they might have parents and guardians. That can't relate to them.
0: Oh, absolutely, and that's the point. We have that's the reason we have um, that whole system. And I, it's not a it's not like you go down to the courthouse and you apply for a gay parent. Exactly. It's just it happens. It just happens. Right. Like if I had come out younger, just five years before, at fifteen,
1: I would not have had access to somebody who I could have latched onto as a mentor, just because of the environments that I was in. And I definitely wasn't the kind of young person who was traveling to the city. I didn't know anything about Christopher Street until right before I came out. You know? So, and that's in New York City. Yeah. I can't imagine not living here and trying to find somebody who I identify
0: with yeah. and can cre- create community with. Mine was through um, a friend, uh, and through Yahoo Instant Messaging, mm-hmm. strangely enough, I had to think, I have I had two gay parents, quote-unquote, um, one that I don't talk to anymore and then one that I talk to every now and then on, like, Instagram DMs or something. They'll mm-hmm. just be like, hey, see you, blah, 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 you know, so— um, but yeah, again, that's a whole other episode, and that that like gay mentorship or like queer mentorship and where it is now and how it works and what we've been through and what happens to people who don't have it and what they turn out being like uh, is a whole other thing. But um, after we're we take this break, then we will wrap it up. Yeah. Oh, also, before we go on break, I wanted to say. A very happy birthday to the First Lady of the United States, Melania Trump.
1: No, thank you. No, I wanted
0: to bring that up because it's it was brought up on Twitter. I think it was—I forgot who it was. It was one of the outlets, like ABC or something like that, and they tweeted it. And then, like— 100% of the responses were all from her modeling porn days. <laughs> like, so everybody was posting, like, naked pictures of her. Oh, my God. <laughs> and they were like, yes, happy birthday, Melania. Classy first lady. And look, oh, my I'm not God. against posing nude or doing, you know what, or sex work or anything like that. Hello. But I do bring it up to point out the to hypocrisy. Point out, to point out. the point. To point out <laughs> the blatant hypocrisy from the GOP. Like, Word. y'all called Michelle Obama...
1: Everything, n- everything but her name.
0: Under the sun and called the Obamas not classy because Obama, Michelle Obama, wore her arms out and Mel- Melania is bearing it all, all her career. Don bared it. She don't did that. So... Looks directly into camera. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> how have y'all not called this out? And it's her birthday. So that's that's why I just think this whole presidency is a farce. And, like, we're just, like, there's something else going on that they don't want us to realize. Mm-hmm. It's just like, okay. Is there something happy we can talk about before we close out? No, nothing else, else on this list that we were going to talk about before we close out, which we don't have time because we have to be out of bricks soon. Um... Oh, my gosh. It is about that time. So
1: I'm going to, before we head into our show close, I'm just going to say, I hope you all are well and smiling. And if you're not smiling,
0: that's okay. That's all right. Get, you're, you're allowed you'll, to you'll not smile. You'll get through it. You will get through it. It might take a little longer than the people you know, but you take your time. Feel all those feelings. Feel the feelings. Lay in the bed. Do what you need. Self-care. I was talking to somebody last night and they brought up the idea of, um, I forgot like something about pleasure mm-hmm. and I forgot what the actual word was, but he was reading a book about it and the art, the author of the book happened to be doing a reading. Mm-hmm. And so he was headed that way. It was from queer. We were in queer, uh, queer filmmakers meeting mm-hmm. and he was headed out that way. And so, uh, the head of queer filmmakers asked him like, well, what's, that about whatever it's like pleasure something mm-hmm. pleasure liberation or something I'm not hmm. sure and he was like well it's it's the idea that we inherently block our own pleasures because of social mores such as and pleasure might be mm. like group sex mm-hmm. or like drugs or um, things that people look down on you know it's interesting
1: I'm actually so when we went out and we did those those film that little film project that we did because I want to put together an intro video for my next song, which is coming soon. I promise (laughs) Um, y'all. That's something I've been thinking about Mm -hmm. because I end up writing a lot of love songs and kind of like double entendre songs. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people wouldn't necessarily think that would come from me, but I realized for me, it's like, it's a, it's, For me to help me repair my relationship with love, with intimacy, and with pleasure, and with sex Mm -hmm. in particular, because I feel like so much of the messaging I've received about why being gay or queer is wrong is so rooted in sexual desire that it's just warped and twisted so much for me that— that's not really a source of self-care for me. It's usually a source of frustration because of shame that I've attached to it. Mm. You know? So
0: for me, my music is helping me explore that.
1: It's so interesting.
0: Yeah. Uh, You know, as I was listening to that person last night explain what this... I'm just going to call it pleasure liberation, and I'm not sure if that's what it's called. (laughs) But as he was explaining that to me, in my mind, I was like, but... I was like, hmm, but moderation still helps like cause he talked about hard drug use and I was like okay but let's not go overboard like sure like I'm not against okay so on my okay Cupid profile it does say that you can't use hard drugs but that comes from a place of like thinking that you're going to abuse it Mm -hmm. um and so maybe I still need to clear some things up with what that is because I've never done it and I don't hang around people that that I know that do it or the people that I do know who do it are hot messes. And that's why I associate a <laughs> negative uh, stigma to it. Right. Um, but, like, for me, you know, I was going to jokingly say, like, moderation, even with the sex. But, like, I barely have sex. And I just ate some ass last night and then rubbed my eye this morning and thought I had pink eye. <laughs> but it was because <laughs> I ate an orange and the, the citrus got in my eye and it was burning. And I was like, I was fucking going through it this morning. <laughs> so, so what, you dead. know, the pleasure. You have to seek it sometimes. <laughs> so there you go. On that note, I'm Jonathan, a.k.a. Blasian FMA. You can find me everywhere on Twitter, Instagram, everywhere. And
1: you may call me Jolie. That's Joe with no E. And we will talk to you real soon. Yeah, because this was the award winning This Cupac light. This Cupoc Life. Cupoc Life. This
0: This episode of This Cupac Life was recorded at Brick Arts Media in downtown Brooklyn, New York. Remember, you can talk to us at This Cupock Life on social media and our website, www.thiscupock.life. You can also email us using ASK at thiscupock.life. If you enjoyed the show, please share us with your friends and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and Facebook. Five whole stars. All of the stars. Uh, thanks for being a part of this Cupac family. Talk to y'all later.